Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening. Today is Tuesday, July 13th, 2010. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is www.whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, revolutionbroadcasting.com. And this is the show where we discuss all topics and issues that relate to human freedom and why it is that we're currently in the process of losing human freedom in the day and age in which we live. What we ultimately do on this show is discuss the causal factors, the underlying causal factors of why human beings experience self-inflicted suffering in this world. That's ultimately what we do here because that is intricately interwoven and connected with what is going on politically, with what is going on with our freedoms, and with what is going on with human consciousness. So, today we are going to continue to discuss some of the concepts and ideas that we have been over the last several weeks, namely the methodologies that are employed to covertly control human consciousness, mind control techniques and methods. We are going to continue our discussion on the first method of manipulation, which is obfuscation, and hopefully get into a couple more. Before I do that, let me give the call-in number for this radio show. The call-in number, you can call in at any time. Just hang on the line. I will get to your call. There are no taboo topics here. You can call in and talk about whatever you like. The call-in number is 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, 724-444-7444. 
When you call in, you have to put in the call ID number for this show. The call ID number is 83515. Once again, the call ID for this show when you call in is 83515. So I usually start off with some event announcements and I want to let everyone know that the Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations for 2010 have now come and gone. They're in the history books, and it was uh, overall a great success. There was a couple of spots that were a little bit rough around the edges, but, uh, you know, you live and you learn, and we'll gain more experience as things progress. Um, uh, weather did not cooperate with us this weekend, unfortunately. So one of the day's events got rained out, one of the outdoor events for Saturday during the day at Independence Visitor Center. Uh, they didn't want to take a chance with uh, some bands playing that required electrical equipment and uh, some other uh, uh, inventions that were going to need uh, electrical power. Um, they didn't want to take a chance, um, and it did rain pretty ferociously here on Saturday uh, in Philadelphia. So. They called that event, but the other events went very successfully, and I'll look forward uh, to another great event this time next year. Um, that's basically my recap, but after I read the event announcements, I'd like to read a document that I did not get a chance to read on Saturday night at the uh, dinner reception and concert because um, the schedule pretty much went a little bit late. It ran a little late there. And uh, I was supposed to read the Declaration of Energy Independence that the Tesla Science Foundation uh, came up with, but I did not get a chance to on Saturday night. So I read that Friday night out in Independence Visitor Center, but I'm going to read it again this evening on this show to try to hammer in the importance of how energy um, and the way we produce and distribute energy is directly related with human freedom. But before I do that, let's get into the event announcements for the Philadelphia area. I have three event announcements this evening. The first, this uh, coming Sunday, July 18th, from noon to 6 p.m., this is a free event, totally free to attend. Pennsylvania Mutual UFO Network presents Philadelphia UFO Awareness Day 2010. A great lineup of speakers scheduled, including Dr. David Jacobs, Temple University professor and author. His website is ufoabduction.com. He will be speaking on UFO abductions and alien hybrids. I will be speaking at this event. My presentation is entitled, Don't Count on Disclosure. And what I mean by that is don't count on official government disclosure of the UFO and extraterrestrial phenomenon in any way that resembles truth. Because their job is to dissemble, cover up, and destroy truth wherever possible. So I will be giving a lecture about the deepest covert reasons for the continued and deliberate cover-up of the UFO and extraterrestrial phenomenon on this planet. Chris Augustin is the next speaker, a paranormal investigator and the author of AliensTheTruth.com will give a lecture about alien abductions. 
Bill Weber will also be speaking. He is a Pennsylvania Mutual UFO Network State Section Director and Field Investigator. His lecture is entitled UFOs and Technology. Michael Melton, another Pennsylvania MUFON State Section Director and Field Investigator, will be speaking about UFO investigations, interviewing the witness. And finally, rounding out the uh, schedule of speakers, Bob Gardner. He is the Pennsylvania MUFON Chief Investigator and Field Investigator. He will be giving a talk entitled, Credible and Convincing Evidence for the Existence of UFOs. Again, Philadelphia UFO Awareness Day 2010, hosted by Pennsylvania MUFON, is on Sunday, July 18th from noon to 6 p.m. It is a completely free event and it will be hosted at Germ Books and Gallery, which is at 2005 Frankfurt Avenue in Philadelphia. For more information on this great event, go to MUFONPA, that's M-U-F-O-N-P-A, dot com or Germ Books, G-E-R-M Books. Com. Next event announcement, the great activist group out of Philadelphia called Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will be hosting their monthly free documentary showing and discussion night at the Ethical Society of Philadelphia. They do this every third Monday of the month. The date for this month will be Monday, July 19th. They start at 7 o'clock p.m. sharp. They show the documentary at 7 p.m. and then there is a discussion following the documentary screening. The Ethical Society building is at 1906 South Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. This month they will be showing the documentary Fresh. So Fresh is basically about what is going on with our food and why it is important to grow and consume fresh foods because food is completely related to our state of consciousness, our state of well-being, how much we understand about what is taking place within ourselves and in the world around us and our food supply to a large extent in the modern world has actively been poisoned and it is important to get back to fresh organic fruits, vegetables, etc. to take into our body to nourish ourselves properly. That's what this documentary is basically all about. So I encourage anyone interested in health, health freedom and freedom in general to come on out to Truth, Freedom, Prosperity's documentary nights at the Ethical Society. And finally, the last presentation announcement for tonight Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. And this is hosted by yours truly. I will be hosting this conference next year, Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th, 2011. The location is still not 100% confirmed, but it looks more and more as if it is going to be at Ruba Club which is in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia. I will be making the definitive announcement on the location within the next few weeks. Admission price will be only $20 per day for a great lineup of speakers and some great presentations, probably between 12 and 14 speakers total. If everything goes well, we already have three confirmed speakers for the event. Myself, 
my friend Michael Kelly, and Mr. Aaron McCollum from the West Coast. So uh, it's already shaping up to be a great conference that is Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia. So those are the event announcements for this evening. And briefly, I want to go back to the uh, Tesla Energy Independence celebrations that happened this past weekend in Philadelphia. We had a great gathering on Friday evening outside the uh, Independence Visitor Center on Independence Mall Park. And there, at around midnight, I read the Unanimous Declaration of Energy Independence. So it was highly symbolic and appropriate for the location because we were standing right there outside Independence Hall, the place where it all took place 234 years ago, the, um, the place where some of the founders of this country put forward the philosophies of true freedom and tried to enshrine it in the Declaration of Independence that they wrote and has been a sac- which has been a sacred document in this country since that time. So what some of the folks at the Tesla Science Foundation did a year ago is they followed in the footsteps of the founding fathers of this country who did not ask for their independence. They declared it. They declared it as an absolute fact. And energy independence being completely related to overall independence, because as we've talked about on this show many times, the control of energy is the control of human beings. A people cannot truly be free if their methods of energy production are controlled, are limited, are polluting. They can never really be free if they're tied to an unsustainable, polluting, limited, and controlled energy paradigm. Our way of looking at energy needs to completely be revised, and we need to understand that there are ways of hooking into the wheel work of nature itself and providing clean, abundant, sustainable, renewable, and free energy for all the people of this planet, excluding none. With that in mind, I'd like to read to you a document that we came up with uh, as part of the first annual Nikola Tesla Energy Independence Celebrations. This was last year in 2009 when this document was written. And it takes a lot of cues from our very own Declaration of Independence. So I'd like to read this document for you right now. In conscience, July 10th, 2009, the unanimous Declaration of Energy Independence When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for the people of Earth to dissolve the relationships, habits, and thought patterns that have bound us 
to an unsustainable energy paradigm, our conscience compels us to state our grievances with these outmoded systems and to unanimously declare our intentions for the future of free energy. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that in our modern age, all means of energy production are not equal, some being polluting, limited, non-renewable, and controlled by corporate-driven profit motives, while others are clean, abundant, sustainable, and able to be made freely available for the betterment of all people. That human innovation and creativity have excelled beyond our current methodologies of energy production. That the current energy paradigm is ecologically unsound, economically unfeasible, socially divisive, and morally bankrupt. That dependency on our current energy production methods has led to the increasing environmental degradation of our living planet and to a growing systemic mentality of scarcity, lack, fear, aggression, and imperialism. That free energy technology has been developed and suppressed for over a century, and we need not be dependent on non-renewable energy for a moment longer. That the time is now for us to develop means of energy production and distribution that utilizes the inherent abundance of nature itself. That, as stated by the great scientist and inventor Nikola Tesla, science is but a perversion of itself unless it has as its ultimate goal, the betterment of humanity. That whenever any energy model has been perpetuated toward a system of control, limitation, and the stagnation of humanity's collective evolutionary progress, it is the right and duty of the peoples of all nations to abandon the outmoded technologies upon which such systems are built and to transition toward those which are clean, renewable, sustainable, and free. We, therefore, the free people of Earth, in good conscience, assembled, appealing to the supreme order of nature for the manifestation of our intentions, do solemnly declare that in our lifetimes, through our continued dedication, ingenuity, and inspiration, we will bring to fruition a new and free energy paradigm, one in which empowering advancements in technologies are made widely and freely available to all peoples in the service of human potential and for the support of this declaration of energy independence with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor.
So that is the unanimous declaration of energy independence as drafted by the Tesla Science Foundation and the associated Nikola Tesla Inventors Club. And I think it beautifully and concisely states why we need to get off of this addicting and unsustainable energy paradigm that has held human evolutionary progress in check for over a hundred years, for over a century, and it's time that it stops now. And that's the ultimate aim of why the Tesla Science Foundation hosts this yearly event. And I think it was a Overall, a very positive and empowering event. I think a lot of people learned a whole lot over this weekend, and I hope it will continue into the future and inspire people to do what is necessary to take our independence as we so desperately need to when it comes to free energy. So, with that having been said... I guess I will jump right into the topics for tonight's show, which is an ongoing expose of mind control and the technologies, the techniques, and the methods of manipulation that are employed to place people under mass mind control. That's what we have been doing over the last several weeks on this show, and we will continue to do this over the next several weeks, probably many weeks, because there are many methodologies. They need to be clarified and explained so that the listening audience has a firm grip on understanding how they work on the human psyche. However, next week, I'd like to make a special announcement. Next week, we will be taking a break from the um, explanation of some of these mind control methodologies because we'll be having a special guest on the show right here next week. And I will kind of be jumping ahead a little bit because this is a technique that I don't list in my presentation and in the list of 14 mass mind control methodologies that I'm going to be discussing here on the show because what we will be doing next week is exploring trauma-based mind control. And I'll be doing this because I'll be taking this divergence in the the material that I am planning on covering on the show over the next many weeks We'll be taking this this fork in the road for the specific reason that I have the opportunity to interview right here live on this show a victim of trauma-based mind control. This gentleman was involved in what has been come to be called Project Monarch. Monarch was a... I guess you could say joint operation between intelligence agencies and very dark occult organizations for the purpose of creating 
hard-wired mind control slaves through extreme trauma carried out over long periods of time to create what are known as alters in the mind, fracturing of the psyche and the personalities into what are called multiples. This can be called multiple personality disorder. And in doing this, in creating this disorder through torture, which is what it is, they can then program the fractured components, the fractured compartments of the personality, the separate personalities that fracture off, that split off from the main personality, these are like sponges. They're like blank slates that can be programmed to carry out whatever orders and to act in whatever ways the programmer places into these compartments of the psyche. So next week, a special guest that is going to talk about some disturbing material from a first-hand perspective. Events that he actually experienced and went through as part of Project Monarch. So uh, next week's show is not one that you will want to miss. But tonight, let's continue with our breakdown of the methodologies of mass manipulation or mass mind control. Last week, we delved into the first technique of mass mind control, and this was obfuscation. I'll spell that. Obfuscation is spelled O-B-F-U-S-C-A-T-I-O-N. Obfuscation. We defined what it is to obfuscate. Uh, Obfuscate means to render obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. To bewilder or confuse. So obfuscation is create the creation of confusion. And we talked about on earlier shows what confusion really is. Confusion is the inward expression of the dynamic force of fear. When it comes to fruition within an individual's consciousness, confusion, it is created through fear. So that is what obfuscation does. Fuses two or more things in someone's mind often to create the exact opposite notion of what something truly is in the minds of the individuals being worked upon, that are being controlled. This way, when a person thinks of this idea or concept, the first image that comes into their mind or the first word that may pop into their head is the exact opposite in reality of what that thing really is. So it is getting you to associate ideas 
in completely inverse relationship. That is ultimately what obfuscation is trying to do. And indeed, in the very definition, we see that to render unclear or unintelligible, to bewilder, to confuse, to get someone not understanding which way is up and which way is down, to completely confuse something in their mind. And we started looking at different examples of specifically what is obfuscated in our world. The first thing we looked at was the occasion of simplicity with complexity. Controllers, mind controllers, most often and, and very much want to obfuscate the notion that truth, the truth is simple. But they want you to be confused about that fact. They want you to think in your mind that to know the truth about anything, you have to tear apart that is so unimaginably complex that what you ultimately end up thinking is, why bother? I could never. It would take too much time, too much energy. The truth about so overwhelmingly complex that I could never understand it anyway, so I won't bother even trying. This is exactly the opposite of things really are. Now, nearly the complete say is that the truth is always simple. When truth is ultimately explained or put into words simple to understand, it becomes like an aha moment. And someone will often, how could I have been so naive and so confused that I did not see this before? It's so obvious. It's so simple now that I do see it. A controller a manipulator, a sorcerer, if you will, will always try to obfuscate the notion of simplicity with the notion of complexity. The truth is that the truth is simple. It is easy to understand once it is exposed and brought to the light of day. Again, the obfuscation of simplicity with complexity. We talked about that last week. And tied in with this first technique of obfuscation is the obfuscation of principles with law. In helping the listening audience to understand this concept, what I did was read a bit. I read three or four pages from a book called The End of All Evil. The End of All Evil by Mr. Jeremy Locke, L-O-C-K-E. And I think this is a extremely important book. The book is very simple. It's very easy to read. 
It's very short. It's only about 90 pages long. And I read an excerpt from it that explains these two first fundamental principles. The idea that simplicity is always obfuscated and confused with complexity because that's what the force of fear itself wants people to think of as being true. That, oh, the truth, if there is such a thing, it is so impossibly complex. I can't bother to go there. I would waste my time. I'd be looking. I'd be chasing, uh, going off on a wild goose chase, chasing something that may or may not even exist. And even if it is, even if it does exist, it's way too complicated for me to grasp. This first chapter of the book explained elegantly and beautifully that everyone is capable of understanding that which is true and that which is real. It isn't an impossible task. The truth does exist. You are capable of knowing it, of understanding it. Finally, in the excerpt that I read, Locke went into an explanation of how man's law, lowercase l law, not natural law, which is truth, but man's law, the laws that men and women write up and scribble down in their pages, in their books, and then expect people to obey as if they are true authority. People who consider themselves authorities in this world writing down commandments that others must obey upon some physical penalty or financial penalty. And we'll be talking about that fear of being penalized today when we get into the idea of fear of punishment as being something that obfuscates truth. So what Locke was explaining is that principles, principles are always based in truth and morality. Principles are based in philosophy, in the love of wisdom, because they are based in fundamental truths. Fundamental truths are natural law principles. These concepts are one and the same. If something is true, it is right. We use the same words to describe these seemingly different concepts. We, we use the word right to explain correct or true, but we also use it to describe something that is morally correct, morally upright. When we get into touch with that which is true, we are getting into touch with our principles. Principles mean first things, 
And the reason that humanity has gone so drastically off course in the modern world is because we are not putting first things first. We are not putting our principles first. What we are often putting first is comfort, money, success, popularity, and laws or control. We think that in attempting to control other people by writing down laws and then punishing them in different ways if they don't conform to those laws, that they will magically become moral people. And it doesn't work that way, folks. It never has and it never will. Only proper moral education of natural law principles will ever create a condition that resembles order and peace and freedom. Never will you do that through control. And last week I put a very, very simple two-image explanation on the site. This is in podcast number 15 in the related images of how natural law essentially works. And it's so overwhelmingly simple that there are people out there that will insist this is reductionism. This is explaining something that is so complex and such simple and easy to understand terms that it can't be this simple. Wrong. It is that simple. It is that simple. And it's a very, very easy to follow flowchart, if you will, about what creates the conditions that we experience in the reality that we ultimately manifest for ourselves through our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. Those are the ways we create the world, folks. And on this simple flowchart of sorts that I made, it's very simple to understand how we create the conditions of the world that we then must live in and our children then must live in. If our thoughts are in a state of balance and if they are guided by the dynamic energy of love, which is what we explained as being the expansive force of consciousness, the force which helps consciousness to expand ever outward and look at everything and take in everything and understand that you are a part of everything and that you are a creator of your experience, a powerful co-creator. That is love. And if our thoughts are attuned with that dynamic energy, that force in creation, that we will be creating inward harmony with our emotions. Our emotions will then take on the quality that I refer to as dominion or self-respect, self-love. Unity consciousness 
as we think, so we feel, and so we act in the world. And there is no contradiction or internal opposition within us when we are in that state of being. Only in doing this can our actions in the seemingly external world, the manifested reality that we experience on the three-dimensional plane that we exist on, only when our thoughts are guided by the force of love, higher level consciousness, expansion of consciousness, and our emotions are balanced and we bring these all together through our actions and our actions are geared toward creating true freedom in the world. So these three forces all working together with the components of the expression of our consciousness. Thoughts being the creation force, the emanation, okay? The creator God, if you will. Emotions being the sacred inward qualities of our consciousness. The sacred feminine aspect of the divine mother. The nurturing, intuitive force, our emotions. Together with our actions, the byproduct of our thoughts and emotions, which is the child of that, that creator and the divine mother, together. Our thoughts are the essence, our emotions are the inner quality, our actions are the external manifestation. Only when we bring those into harmony with each other, through the dynamic energy, the force of love, expanded consciousness, the inward quality of dominion not being divided amongst ourselves, within ourselves. Our thoughts, emotions, and actions are one. They do not contradict each other. Only then are we creating freedom in the external manifested reality that we live in, that we experience. And in doing so, that is the only way that order ever gets created. Never, ever, ever through control, through passing laws, through trying to physically dominate and control other people, through manipulating their mind so that they give their power away to others and keeping them controlled through things that don't even exist like money, which is a mental construct, and some things that do exist, like energy, and controlling its production and distribution methods. The flip side to how natural law works is pretty much what we're doing now. And it's, it's still working, don't, don't get me wrong. It's always working perfectly 100% perfectly but right now the dominant energy that most people not all but most people still are putting out there they can change this whenever they want 
is fear. They're constantly in fear, and this is going to tie in with fear of punishment as the next method of obfuscation and what it obfuscates, which is true self-control and true dominion, the rulership of oneself, not any other, being a united being. So dominion, being united within oneself, thoughts, emotions, and actions are in unison. As one thinks, so one feels, and so one acts. One is not divided in his own house. Dominion, which is part of the solution, you can call it sovereignty, if you will. This is obfuscated with fear of punishment. Now, how that ultimately happens is because human beings as a whole do not understand natural law principles. They, don't, they confuse principles with law. And people really don't understand how this works in general. There's still a lot of confusion about this. It's very simple. Very simple. It's almost overwhelmingly simple. And I could explain it in only a couple of minutes. Essentially, anything that is written down as a law that an individual does not have the right to do. I'll say this once again. Anything that is written down that is trying to give a power as a law, that is attempting to give a power to an individual or groups of individual that any individual does not already have or possess inherently, given to them by creation, is immoral. Does not exist in nature is untrue and should be thoroughly renounced and rejected by anyone with any modicum of common sense. I'll give you an example. It's very clear, simple, and easy to understand. And before we even get into this, justifications, reasons that you can come up with are all irrelevant. They do not matter. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I'll talk about something very simple like taxation. Now, people will say, oh, taxation, that's very complex. There's a million laws written about it. Yeah, in the dominator's worldview, in the dominator's structure, yeah, it's an extremely complex labyrinth because dominators and manipulators want to confuse simplicity with complexity. They want to give you enormous complexity so you'll never see the simple truth. Taxation is one person or a group of individuals being granted the power of taking the creations of others. 
the fruits of one's labor or the creations of others through force, violence, if they do not comply with the idea that the person who is claiming the right to tax another does not have that moral right. Well, do you as an individual have the moral right to tax anyone else, any other single individual or group of individuals? Do you yourself as an individual born into creation, living here on the earth, do you possess inherently the natural law right to say to another individual for any reason that you could come up with, I have the moral right to take this which you created or manifested? Yet it's a yes or no question. There are no shades of gray. And it doesn't make a difference what excuse or justification you may come up with. You do not have the right to steal from others at the threat of physical penalty. You don't have it. I would think that should be pretty clear to anyone with any moral sense or, or conscience whatsoever. But again, sadly, many people do not possess that quality, sadly. And many have been completely brainwashed and mind-controlled as to how simple this concept is. It isn't complex. It's very easy to understand. Nothing could ever grant you the right, the moral right, to take something which does not belong to you from another person for any reason. You can ask them if they would give it to you. You could make a suggestion to them that they should give it to you, but you cannot claim the moral right I have the moral right to take that from you because I said so. But indeed, even many people who believe in the, the, the founding fathers' basic principles that they were laying down in the, the documents of this country believe that they could have granted to themselves or to Congress or to any other quote-unquote lawmaking body that they possess the right to do that. It's a fundamental flaw, and it's one of the fundamental reasons this country fell apart in less than 200 years. There are things in the, the founding, even in the founding documents of this country, like the Constitution, that betray moral law, that betray natural law principles. And again, we've talked about the idea that people think that there is no such thing as moral law in the world, that this is all something that people simply make up, and it does not actually have any effect upon what occurs in our experience. And th these are the same people that are determined to bang their own head against a brick wall for eternity. And they'll continue to do that until they get the message. Natural law exists it determines what happens in our experience based upon our behaviors. 
The end. You're never going to make that untrue. You could ignore it. You could delude yourself into believing that that does not exist. And you're going to suffer eternally until you get that message, folks. And that's what ultimately this is all about. That's why our freedoms are being devastated. Real simple. Our freedoms are being devastated because we're accepting nonsense and we refuse to accept what is true. The end. One sentence, you could sum it up. Taxation is always theft. It doesn't make a difference what you claim you need the money for. If you're taking it by force of violence, it's immoral. The end. It's clear cut. It's black and white. There are no shades of gray. It doesn't matter what you're using it to do. It doesn't matter what good you're claiming that you're doing with it. Irrelevant. And that's a hard pill for some people to swallow. And they'll fight you to the death over it. It's a hard pill. If you yourself do not possess the right to do an action, it can never be written down as law and claim that this is true and this is good and this is just and this is moral. The end. That is how law obfuscates principles. If it wasn't right, if you yourself as an individual claimed the right to do it, then no individuals, no matter how many there are, can claim that they have the right to do it. I can't see how it could be more clear-cut to me, it's so self-evident, it's so obvious, that it's almost laughable. It's, it's funny that people cannot see it. If they weren't killing each other as a result, it would be funny. But it's so self-evident to me, at the level of consciousness that I operate at, that I can, I can almost not even fathom that other individuals cannot see this as a simple truth. It's almost laughable. So what happens when we continue to obfuscate principles with man's law? Well, we come to something called the obfuscation of dominion with the fear of punishment. The obfuscation of dominion with the fear of punishment. What are the reasons... What are the principles that should be invoked and lived according to if one is choosing to take a certain course of action or a certain set of behaviors? Those actions and behaviors should be based upon a conscious understanding of the morality that is inherent in those behaviors and actions. Again, if you, the, the, what I'm basically getting at here is the reasons that we take any of the actions that we do. And if we really sit and think about this, why do people take most of the actions that they do take? 
Is it because they know for certain in their minds and in their hearts that those actions are morally correct and that they should be taking those actions to improve the conditions of the, the world and the people in it and leave it better than they found it? Is that really the reason most people take the actions that they take? Or are most people currently in the state of consciousness that most people exist in here on the earth now, today, do they take most of their actions out of fear-based consciousness? Do they take most of their actions based upon, well, if I don't do this, I will be fearful of what will occur if I don't do this. I would strongly suggest it's the latter. It's the second scenario which I outlined. Most people take actions based upon fear of what would happen if I didn't take that action. Oh, there'd be disorder, there'd be chaos. Well, again, this comes back down to a simple, natural law principle. If our thoughts are aligned to the consciousness of fear, which is the force that shuts human consciousness down, that creates internal confusion, that gets us not to be able to see what is taking place within us and around us, if our thoughts are always geared toward fear, what happens with our emotional qualities, our indwelling aspects of our consciousness that are within us? They become confused or obfuscated. We become a being whose actions are out of alignment with their emotions and with their thoughts such that we act in a way that betrays how we think and feel. And ultimately, we start to attempt to control. To control each other externally. Through things like law, through things like punishment, if there isn't conformity with man's law, whether it be moral or not. And ultimately, what we are creating at that level of consciousness is chaos. That is how chaos is created in the world. Everything that we talk about as bad or evil or chaotic, you can never do it that way. Ever. Like I said, in, in previous shows, I have likened it that you're going to dry something by pouring more and more water upon it. It will never work that way. Ever. You can be there till the death of the universe. It will never work that way. You're adding a dynamic to the scenario that you can never create the opposite with. You're saying, I want to create order. And yet you're putting into the system the very dynamic, the very energy, the very consciousness that creates chaos. It can never work that way, ever. But yet there are people who insist it can, 
insist, insist they'll go to their graves suggesting that, it, that you can do it that way. So the next thing that is obfuscated is having an internal, internal unison between one's thoughts, one's emotions, and one's actions. So it's knowing why you should take the action. It's feeling deeply because you understand it so well that the action is right. It is moral. It is just. And then you do it because of those reasons because you know and feel that it is correct, that it is morally right. You care enough to do it, and you know that it's right. Not that you believe that it is, or that someone told you it was, or you are afraid of what will happen if you do not. You simply do it because you know it to be right. In your heart, you know it. Heart and mind combined Thought and emotion combined, 100%. You're on the same page and your actions do not betray those aspects of your consciousness, your thoughts and your emotions. The opposite of that, that which the dominator world, the sorcerers, the manipulators, the mind controllers, the globalists, whatever you want to call them, what they will obfuscate dominion true self-rulership, self-ownership, self-control with is fear of punishment. They'll get you to think, I have to do this because if I don't, oh, the negative consequences that will happen. So you're always in a state of fear. You're taking the action, not because you know it to be right, but only because you're in fear of what will occur if you don't take that action. And fear is the lowest form of consciousness that you can ever take any action or behavior based upon. You're never going to create anything that is ultimately good by taking positions and taking actions that are based upon fear. Namely, the fear of punishment. Because Violent punishment is what we are threatened with if we do not conform to the laws that man writes, that men write down and insist that they are moral and they must be followed, whether they are in keeping with moral law or not, with natural law, capital L law. Because there are many laws that are in keeping with natural law. And you know what? They don't need to be written down on a piece of paper. If they're in keeping with natural law, they're correct, and it's common sense. Maybe not in today's world, it isn't because most people don't have common sense and wouldn't know what morality was if it punched them in the teeth. Mostly because, simply, they weren't properly morally educated themselves by their parents, and, and it goes on down the line. And a large part of that has to do with people have largely stopped reading or in, in the past never learned to read, period. So they could not take in ideas from anyone that was not immediately in their surroundings acting as an exemplar. 
And sadly today, most people continue not to read, even in the abundance of, of, of information, in the information age that we live in. So they continue to take their actions based upon fear of punishment because they believe that all man's laws are just and moral. And that's not the case. As a matter of fact, the overwhelming majority of them are not moral. They are serving a small class of people to keep them in positions of power and control. If a law is in keeping with natural law, it need not be written down and imposed upon anyone by force. It is truth, and truth stands up under its own accord. If a law is immoral, is not in keeping with natural law principles, one, doesn't matter how much you write it down, it's still immoral and, and not in, in conjunction with natural law, not in harmony with natural law. And two, no one need obey it because it is not moral. And you can never force someone to obey something that is not moral. Yet there are people who think they can. There are people who think they can impose immorality upon people and get away with it. Not only that, but get people to accept that what they're doing is morally justified and that they have the moral right, the inherent human right, to continue to do that. Like taxation, for example, which is just one example. There are many cops that actually believe, they actually think that they have the moral right to shut down free assembly and freedom of speech because they were told they're allowed to do it by another equal moron or an even bigger moron who actually thinks that they have the right to tell them that they're allowed to do that and to write a law down that says they're allowed to do it. I mean, to say that it's BS and that it's nonsense is a complete understatement. But yet you have people that all they want to talk about is the rule of law, man's law lowercase l, not the rule of law, capital L, natural law, the law of the universe, the law of nature, the law of morality. But you start talking about that, and hey, you're self-righteous. You think you know. You think you understand. Well, there are many people who understand how natural law works. I'm not the first, folks. I won't be the last, not by a long shot. It exists. It is real. It is what you need to understand to truly free yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to be going around in circles for your entire life, and so are your children for their entire lives. We need to get back to true, natural law principles based in moral understanding not in fear of punishment for man's scribbled down laws some of which may hit upon natural law and some of which are completely in the other direction 
And once again, if something's in keeping with natural law, it is common sense truth. You don't need to, you don't need to bother writing a law down about it. It exists in nature. The law of gravity could care less whether man wrote it down. It exists. You're bound by it. It's in operation at all times and places, period, the end, for eternity, as long as the three-dimensional space-time continuum exists. Get it? And no amount of writing down something that doesn't exist and you don't have the right to is ever going to make it true, is ever going to make it exist, and is ever going to make it morally right. Unfortunately, what that does create is mind control. In the minds of other people who believe you had the moral right to do that, they start believing that what you're saying is true, that it's gospel, that it actually, you actually did have the right. Hey, I wrote this down. I have the power to tax. I morally granted myself that right. Ain't that nuts? Isn't that wild how that works? Don't you wish you had that same capability, that same power? It's, it, it's awesome that I have that and you don't. Want to know how I got it? I made it up because it's nonsense. It's complete BS. It never existed and it never will. And yet, people believe it. They accept it. And, and they'll, like I said, they'll argue with you to the death that what I'm saying is incorrect and that other people do have this moral right they've granted to themselves by writing something down on a piece of paper. One of the hardest forms of brainwashing ever to get out of is that there is no such thing as man's law. So there it is said very simply, folks. It does not exist. It's another mental construct it does not exist in nature. Natural law exists in nature. Man's law exists in your mind and nowhere else. But that is how people get others to accept the notion that law, lowercase l, man's law, is real and can usurp and obfuscate true principles or morality. And that is how they control their behaviors through fear of punishment instead of understanding the true reasons that behaviors or actions should be taken in. So that, that's all that I will say for tonight on those principles of obfuscation. And we'll start to get into some of the other ones. Hopefully I can wrap up obfuscation by the end of the program tonight. I'm going to start going to a couple of uh, calls. Uh, before I do that, we're past the, set of the, uh, the top of the second hour. So I'll give the call-in number once again. The call-in number for this show is 724-444. 7444. Once again, 724-444-7444. The call-in ID number is 83515. When you call that number, you've got to punch in the call ID. It's 83515. Call in any time. Hold on the line. I will get to you. No taboo topics, as always. So here we go. I'm going to take a call now. 
Caller from southeastern Pennsylvania, you are on. What on earth is happening? What do you have for us this evening? Mark? Paul? Hey. Mark, this is Chris from New Jersey. How you doing? Chris, how are you, man? Thanks for calling. Good, Mark. Uh, Mark, I'm listening to the show. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm involved in the Tea Party movement. Um, yes. Some of the people within that movement, I would say the minority, not the majority, um, understand natural law. Really? Um, I think what you're talking about is critical. Um, we have lost the ability to understand what's natural law. And my question to you is, do you believe that we have within us a moral compass where we, we can just determine what is natural law based on what we know is right and wrong? Or has that been so distorted now? Like, How is the majority of the population going to um, remember what they forgot or never learned in the first place? Excellent question. And again, thanks for calling in, Chris. You bring up great points. Um, I would say definitely we do have such a thing as a moral compass in life to help us to understand and to live according to natural law principles. And it's very simple what that compass is. I'm going to tell you what it is. That compass is our emotions. That is what that compass is. We can know through how we feel within our bodies whether the actions that we are taking are in keeping with truth, with conscience, with morality. We can know that for certain. Now, even, even though they've been mind-controlled and brainwashed to a large degree, they still retain that ability. Somewhere deep down underneath all of the layers of that mind control onion, so to speak, yes, it is there. It does exist. That seed is present. The problem is, as you're saying, there is so many layers of conditioning over top of it that essentially what they have convinced us to do is to continuously go against our emotional compass. When we take actions that we know to be morally incorrect, we do feel the repercussions of those actions within the body. And you know what? That's why we have so much poor health and have had so much poor health throughout human history. Human beings are essentially continuously betraying the emotional qualities of the true self. And they're taking actions that they know deep within them. We all deep within know what, what the truth is. We all deep within know what right, right from wrong is. We know it. We don't think it. It doesn't require any, any linear thought. The linear yeah, that's what thought I was getting comes, at. That, yeah, that's the, what I was getting at. And thought. I'm very happy to hear that, that these people, that most people or all people still have that ability because if they didn't, I didn't know how we were going to regain it. Or they were going to regain it. They do possess it inherently. Again, the problem is that they have been conditioned so much, and there are so many layers of nonsense, so many layers of obfuscation, so many layers of, let's just call it what it really is, of mind control that are obscuring this, that are hiding and cloaking this natural ability that we all have within us, that most of us are continuing to betray that emotional compass and go in the other direction 
that that emotional compass needle is pointing in and telling us where we need to go. Sadly, that's the case. The, the, the thing that really helps to uncover it, there are many things, okay? One, we have to understand this is not only done through just the ideas that are pumped out there, the poisonous ideas that are pumped out there in society. It's done through uh, electromagnetic means. It's done through the food we eat, which is basically an electromagnetic vibration that we put into our body. It is done through everything that enters our physical body, okay? And then through that, that becomes part of us. Anything we put into us becomes part of us. Again, the adage, we are what we eat, is true, but not entirely. The whole story isn't told with that adage. We have to add, we are what we eat, what we drink, what we uh, take into ourselves through books, what we take into ourselves through other forms of media, the, through the conversations we have with other people, through who we listen to. You know, it's everything we take into ourselves in all forms of information comprise who we are. And that's what's basically either magnetically, energetically aligning that moral compass in, in the true north direction, in the true upright direction, or that's what's sending it southward down into the abyss of consciousness, and we don't listen to it. You know, it's just put, pointing us in the wrong direction if our emotions are all out of whack. And this is one Mark, of the I'm reasons I'm going to continue I, to listen uh, very intently because I, I really am interested in this because I'm trying to help other people realize what, what natural law is all about. I'm trying to break down the walls of the fear that, that society has been built up in their minds as to what it really is about. I mean, and, and, and I realize, and I'm trying to teach other people, that it, it, it takes courage to be free. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate, appreciate everything you're doing, and I'll let you get to other callers. Thanks so much, Mark. Chris, you're welcome to call in here anytime. Uh, you're, you're a good friend, and uh, I, I think what you're doing to help try to enlighten people is, is very much appreciated, and, and I thank you for it. So thanks for calling in. All right. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Got it. Chris from New Jersey, um, great caller. And he brings up great points, and I'm actually glad to hear that some of the people in some of the Tea Party movements, uh, this is a topic that they are, um, you know, uh, talking about, discussing, and uh, trying to come to some uh, understanding of. That's uh, very encouraging to to hear. That's great news. So, um, yeah, it, to to go back to <clears throat> to go back to our emotions. Again, our emotions are our moral compass. And this is why food, the understanding of food, like what I was reading earlier about the event coming up in Philly at the Ethical Society, they're showing the documentary Fresh. I mean, it's critical to understand the kinds of foods that we're taking into our body because that's affecting our mind and it's affecting our consciousness and that affects our morality. So we have to understand a lot about what's going on on so many different realms. It's all simple once the truth about it is exposed, but there is a, a lot to the tapestry. Electromagnetic forms of pollution are another one. Um, you know, all the devices and electromagnetic fields that our brains and bodies are exposed to on a daily basis. But you know what the most powerful electromagnetic field is? You would think it's the brain. It's not. It's the heart. The heart, true care, can conquer all of that. If we care enough about what we see going on in the world to, to try to make it better, it will conquer all of that. It will conquer 
all of the other forms of, of tyranny and oppression, whether it be through poisonous ideas, poisonous foods, poisonous electromagnetic pollutions, and anything else for that matter. If true care is present within an individual, that's the most powerful radiant electromagnetic field that exists, and it comes from the heart, not the brain. Again, the, where the brain comes into all of this is once we've buried the heart so much, once we've buried our true care so much, and we don't want to get involved, and we don't want to take right moral action, the only way to really help people to undo that is to explain to them linearly in a left brain progression through information and knowledge what has taken place, what has occurred, and why you know, they need to understand a lot of this information to get, to get out of that state. And then once that happens, then the heart will take over. The mind will reestablish its connection with the heart, and then there's no stopping that person. They're not going to stop, no matter what happens, because they understand what they truly are and why we're all truly here. They, they've recovered a sense of true purpose in their lives because they found true care. So <clears throat> information is always going to be a critical part of this because there are so many people whose, whose conscience has been buried to that extent. They need to be raised up out of that state of consciousness through information. And that's why I say to people in the New Age movement, it is not just just about feeling. Ultimately, yes, we need to get to that state of developing true care and, and resetting our moral compass, which is our emotional qualities. But in, in met more instances than not, that center that emotional compass center within an individual is so devastated, is so damaged that it needs to be repaired with the help of abundant amounts of information, knowledge, if you will. So it's important to read. It's important to watch documentaries. It's important to have discussions with other people and, and be exposed to the truth about what is actually taking place in the world. That is how we get some people out of that state of being buried or in a grave, so to speak. Their, their care is buried. Okay? The dead, sadly, how many dark occultists refer to those individuals. I have heard it from their lips to my ears, folks. Not re reading about it. Being there with them. Hearing them call people that. Who have that emotional quality that is completely buried. They call people the dead. I mean, what a thing. I mean, what, imagine to call people who are alive the dead, you know, because they say they may as well be dead for all intents and purposes because they're powerless to actually affect anything because they don't care. Their heart is dead, you know. That is how we will get to an understanding of natural law principles when we care enough when we understand that only through caring enough are we going to reverse this dangerous trend that we see playing out before us with the erosion of our natural law freedoms. Given to us not by any man or group of men and that which cannot truly be taken away by any man or group of men. They can think that they can take that away from us but in reality, in reality, they actually cannot. Sadly, 
most people have given up caring about their natural law rights and freedoms, and in doing so, they're handing their power to, over to controllers and manipulators. So again, I want to thank Chris for a great call-in because it really does emphasize how critically important it is to understand what natural law is and how it affects our reality through our behaviors. So I'll, I'll put up those images once again on this week's podcast, two simple images which basically explain it all, how it works. It's, uh, I call it natural law for dummies, okay? Two simple charts of how we create our reality. It can't be any more simple because the truth is always simple. So I'll try to wrap up obfuscation with the half an hour we have left. The, ne the next thing that is obfuscated is gnosis or knowledge and this is kind of a nice segue because we were just talking about how important knowledge is to get help get people even in a left brain or linear progression of understanding that's important to put information together in a, in a logical progression to get people to start to dig themselves out of the the, the, the consciousness grave that they have dug for themselves by burying their true care. So gnosis can be looked at as knowledge. It's the Greek word for knowledge. There's a connotation to gnosis, and I'll spell gnosis. It's G-N-O-S-O-S. -O That's a Greek word. In Greek, it would be spelled gamma, nu, omicron, sigma, iota, sigma, gnosis. So G-N-O- S-I-S. -S. Gnosis means knowledge, and there's, there's a specific connotation that is often used when referring to gnosis. It is knowledge that is acquired through experience, through actually having lived something, through actually having understood it because you experienced it directly. So w without being, without in any way bragging, I feel that I can state, because it is simply the case, I have gnosis of natural law. I have experienced how natural law works directly in my life. I was living certain ways, thinking certain ways, feeling certain ways, and I got certain results. Invariably got certain results. They always worked a certain way. As long as I was thinking a certain way, feeling a certain way, and acting a certain way, I received in the external experience that is my life, the, the, the seemingly external experience, okay, in the, the manifested reality that I dwelled in, I received a certain type of experience, of energy. And when I was thinking thoughts that were based in fear, when I was thinking thoughts that were based in self, pure selfishness, meaning only caring about myself and no one else, and actions that were geared along those lines and principles, those ideologies, I should say, I was receiving extremely negative events in my life. Suffering, in other words. I was suffering. And I was suffering greatly. Greatly is an understatement. 
when I finally began to come out of that grave of consciousness, that cesspool, that pit, and I was beginning to realize, you know, maybe, just maybe, the events that I'm experiencing are related to how I think, feel, and act. And I started to change those things. The external events of my life completely changed for the better. I experienced natural law and how it works firsthand. That's not my belief about what happened. That is my experience of what happened. I'm not asking you to believe that that's how it happened. I'm telling you that that's what occurred because I lived it. I don't care whether you believe me or not, quite frankly. You can believe whatever you like. That's your natural law right to believe whatever you want to believe. But I'm telling you that happened in my life. I know that it happened because I lived it. That's gnosis. It's not something I read about in a book. Although, it subsequently, to understand and kind of concretize that idea and be able to explain it to others how that works, I did read about it in many books. Sadly, it didn't happen in the reverse order. I didn't get that knowledge first through, through book knowledge and then apply it. I had to apply it by suffering enough and then realizing, hey, I'm going to end up in one of two places, you know, a, a prison cell or a grave. And then, you know, finally I got, got the lesson of this is about me and how I think, feel, and act and started to change those dynamics. Too bad some of the really powerful, positive philosophies that you can read about in books that discuss natural law principles, like The End of All Evil, which I read from last week. Too bad I didn't have a lot of that knowledge back then. So had to take the left-hand path, as they say. Had to take the path of darkness and suffering and pain to get it. And that's the path we're on now, collectively, as humanity, folks, as a species. It doesn't have to be that way. We can take that central path. We don't need to take the left-hand path, but we're choosing it as a whole, not all of us, but as a whole, we're definitely choosing that left-hand path of suffering, all I'm trying to explain here on this show throughout the weeks is it doesn't have to be that way, and there is another way. And it's called natural law. And it's called getting out of mind control. And it's called rediscovering our emotional compass for direction in life. And it's called uniting our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions in the spirit of true care. That's what will truly free us. No external solutions. The answers are all within us. And with, with these concepts that we need to realize, to make real around us, and then we'll be free. And you know what? Not a moment before. Not a moment before. There's no shortcuts and there's no escapes. We're not getting out of this without getting that lesson. I understand that. Some more people are coming online to that understanding. I'd like to see it become a massive tidal wave of people who truly understand that, but we'll, we'll see. We will see. So what a controller wants to obfuscate gnosis with, 
direct experiential knowledge is belief. So the obfuscation of gnosis with belief, this is putting this mask on to the face of true knowledge and getting people to accept something that they cannot, they do not actually have any experiential knowledge of, and that's called belief. And it's very, very interesting that the word belief, if you break it down, and this is something that we'll do, and this is something I'll explain in future shows, but this is known as green language. This is known as alchemical language. Words often betray their meanings in the sound, the phonetic pronunciation of the sound of the word itself. Belief. Belief is bell life. Now, bell is the name of a sun god of the ancient world, Phoenicia Canis sun god. The Phoenicians worshipped a god known as Bel or Bil. At this time when their culture existed, their civilization, the sun was in the house of Taurus. It has now progressed in the procession of equinoxes past the house of Taurus into the house of Ares the ram, from Taurus the bull to Ares the ram, and then to Pisces the fish. So... We're in the house of Pisces now as the procession of the equinoxes go. And around five, four, five, six thousand years ago, we were in the house of Taurus, the bull. Again, we have similar phonetic pronunciations, bull, bell, bill. Another name for this god was Baal, B-A-A-L. Now, not to diverge into astrotheology too much here, but we're talking about the word belief. Well, this God represents, in my understanding and studies of astrotheological principles, a sun God, but it is, it is more often a, associated with a dark aspect of a sun God. Now, some incarnations of Prince Baal, Baal, if you will, are a positive aspect of the, the light, the sun, so to speak. However, human sacrifice was often done to this god. Okay? We will talk about how human sacrifice is perpetuated even to this day when we get into forms of dark occultism and how human sacrifice is actually ongoing. In the modern day, the biggest one is called war. And it's a perpetual human sacrifice that the occult controllers, the occult sorcerers, keep going and going and going and going. They don't even have to march. The high priests need not even march anyone up to the top of a pyramid to slice their heart open, slice their heart out with an obsidian blade. They just whisper in their ear in modern time and send them off to war with a gun and some occult symbols emblazed all over their uniforms and uh, the, uh, the objects of human sacrifice do it to themselves now. That's how well mind control and belief work in the modern world. But look at the word belief. It's bell life. 
spell life right in the word. We have an alchemical word play going on. These same occultists or controllers or manipulators want us to lead a life of belief named after one of their gods. You could look at this in a million different places too. Just as an aside, a quick aside, we pay bail when we're in prison. We pay bills. We pay bills with bills. That's the name of their god, bill. Money is called bills. I'll get into this in detail when we go into astrotheology in later shows. One of the main secret societies controlling the world is the Bilderberg Group, which means Rock of Bill. The headquarters of, a, of one of the forms of proposed world government, the European Union, one of the main stepping stones to a true world government, is in Brussels, Belgium. You can, see, you can go on and on about this, actually. There's so many different examples. The very fact that they named their money after it is a very clear one in my estimation. And the fact that they, we, they get us to recycle that energy right back to that same God, paying bills with bills. It, that's not accidental. You can think it is if you want and think that it's too simple, that that's how things work, but... Believe me, the world is controlled through words. We talked about that when we talked about the basic methodologies of mind control. When you start breaking down words and understanding that there is information told to us right in the words that we speak about what's going on in the world, you just have to be conscious enough to see it. Belief. Obfuscates gnosis. Controllers want you to believe things instead of checking into them for yourself. And this is how much I believe in the idea of gnosis, folks. One of the things I think that is the most destructive thing that you could possibly do is believe a word I'm saying. I don't want you to believe me. I say this at the beginning of all my presentations, and I'll say this on this show as well. I'm not here to try to get you to believe anything. I want to, be, I want to help explain some things to you to help you to know things. There are things that can be known. Truths can be known. You don't need to believe a truth. Again, truths stand on their own because they're based in fundamental principles that are based in natural law. You don't need to believe that. They exist, they operate, they are true. We don't need to believe in how gravity works. We don't need to believe in that heat is emanated from the sun. We don't need to believe in the fact that what we experience as a solid object is more dense than Water or something we experience as liquids or gases. This, these are self-evident, obvious things that are all around us that we can know. 
They don't require belief. What we need to do is get move away from believing anything and start looking into things, most of all looking inward into ourselves. Then we will acquire knowledge, and specifically, we will acquire knowledge through direct experience. We can experience the qualities of ourself to understand how our consciousness works, how our psyche works. We can experience direct knowledge of how natural law principles work in the world to create the things that manifest and that we experience in the world. We can know that through direct experience, through gnosis. And that is what gnosis is. But the dominators, the controllers, the occult sorcerers of consciousness, they have created many, many belief systems. They are labyrinths of ideologies. They are labyrinths of ways of thinking and being in the world, often which have no resemblance to reality whatsoever. But they can get people, they can get people to identify with those beliefs and get attached to the idea that they are true. And most of all, attached to the idea that if they weren't present, there would be chaos. They have you right under their thumb, folks. Right off the bat, of course, one of the first things that comes to mind when you're talking about belief is religion. What about the idea that man's law is a good idea? And that we should be going to back to or getting to the rule of man's law instead of the rule of natural law. Beliefs. What about the idea, the belief that our scientific institutions wouldn't betray us? The idea is that our, the belief that our medical institutions wouldn't betray us. The belief that our military is there to protect us. The belief that our police forces are there to protect us. The belief that our religions are there to impart morality to us. When every one of these institutions has demonstrably shown to anyone who's paying even an iota of attention to be thoroughly corrupt to the core and only create more and more human suffering. Now, maybe in religion, in these belief systems that religions specifically propagate, I want to address an idea. Maybe you could convince enough people through some of these beliefs, even if they're not true, that they need to be good to each other simply for fear of the consequences otherwise. Not because you truly experientially in Gnosis, understand the principles that such an idea may be based upon. But you feed them fear of punishment, fear of punishment. And because of that, those ideas embedded in religion, you can get them to actually treat each other in moral ways. Well, 
it's, it may be a stopgap, but it's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is understanding principles, is understanding what morality is, what true natural law, moral law is, and why, if we want to experience that which is orderly, peaceful, good, non-chaotic, non-destructive, we need to live according to those principles. We need to make first things first. Principles. First things. Religion, a belief system, many different belief systems, labyrinths of belief systems, could accomplish that goal. I'm not saying if they could not, but they could only accomplish that goal with going back to our next our previous obfuscation, fear of punishment. That is what most of these religions that are out there are based upon. Law. Fear of punishment. Wrath of God. God's law. So, in some esoteric symbology, this is known as, if you look at the Great Pyramid at Giza, the biggest of the pyramids, the oldest, and the most incredibly built with techniques we could not even come close to duplicating today, there's actually a timeline of sorts built into this pyramid. There's a subterranean chamber, a very steep drop, leading to a subterranean chamber known as the pit. Then there's an ascending chamber, the grand gallery, and then there's two halls, these two large chambers above what is known as the grand gallery, this ascending staircase, almost like a ladder. One of them is the queen's chamber, and one of them is the king's chamber. The king's chamber is above the queen's chamber. The queen's chamber is lower than the king's chamber. This is the idea that we're on a slippery slope down toward the pit. It's kind of like a symbolic timeline. It was actually built into the pyramids by those who put them there. And you can research this and look, and look up information about this symbolic timeline and it's kind of telling us well we're on this downward path and if we don't turn our course around by getting in touch with our true emotional compass and understanding natural law we're going to end up in the pit which is destruction the abyss hell so to speak but there's these two Ascent, there's, there's this ascending chamber, and then it splits off into two passages. One of them is the queen's chamber. And if we can turn around from our descent, away from morality, away from natural law, away from chaos that we continuously are creating in our lives, away from mind control, we can reach that ascending staircase and we could go into 
one of these two chambers. Well, if we continue to be bound by belief, the highest we will ever reach is this queen's chamber, which still roots us in a form of mind control. Religion may be, if we truly followed some of the tenets in religions, may be better than some of the forms of mind control that we're under now, which are based in fear of punishment and man's law, etc. And let's face it, outright, outright pure control and nonsensical ideas like greed and money and, you know, controlling other people, etc. If we can ascend up at least to the Queen's Chamber, we would avert disaster, but we'd still be in some form of control, which is how religions work, through belief. So maybe the disaster would be averted, but we would still ultimately be in a prison of sorts. The goal is to get out to the king's chamber, which will grant access to the star shafts and take us truly out of the structure of control where we can truly be free. And the king's chamber represents symbolically the understanding of how natural law principles work and the true resetting of our moral compass in life, which is truly getting in touch with our emotional selves, uniting that heart energy with our minds, and then putting both of those into proper moral action in the world. And that's called dominion, self-rulership, Sovereignty, being a king, king and queen, truly. I, I think it's a misnomer that it's the queen's chamber underneath. See, the king and queen's chamber is ultimately the king's chamber. That's the sovereign, the sovereign individual. And it, in that chamber is an empty sarcophagus because it represents that the true self is not in the physical realm. The true self is the no thing. It is not bound by the flesh. You are not this body. It's re true resurrection. True gnosis of self. And that's what a mind controller, a sorcerer, wants to obfuscate. They always want you trapped in beliefs. I think this is beautifully represented by the Great Pyramid. The goal is to get to that king's chamber. And again, modern Egyptologists call the chamber below that the queen's chamber. This isn't to say that there is a um, diminution of the, 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 the female here. The sovereign is the king or queen, and that top chamber represents sovereignty, the true understanding of natural law the true understanding of conscience, true care. And that and that alone is what will grant access to those shafts 
that lead to the stars, that lead to true higher consciousness with the gods, so to speak, the symbolic gods. I think it's a beautiful allegory to represent symbolically the path that we truly need to take. But right now, we seem to be on that slippery slope to the abyss, that descending passageway. And one of the reasons we're on it is because people are attached to belief. They have their belief about what this thing is that they like so much and that they're attached to it and they're not willing to let it go. They're not willing to see how they may have bought a belief because it contained the poison pill wrapped up in a few truths. See that outer layer? You know, they took that sandwich that's mostly truth, it's good, it's nourishing, but then in the sandwich they embedded the poison pill. And because they become identified with all of the other somewhat good ideas in it, they'll take the whole thing as a belief structure and accept it. And then stay attached to it. Never be willing to say, you know what? Some of this serves who we truly are. And some doesn't. And that which does serve that which we truly are must be taken and used and employed for our betterment. And that which does not serve that which we truly are should be abandoned for the outmoded belief that it is. Because maybe people that formulated ideas like religions didn't have all the answers. Maybe people who formulated ideas like self-governance, as far as a nation goes, like our found, the founding fathers of this country, maybe they didn't have all the answers. And indeed, we don't have all the answers today. Pursuit of truth is an ongoing process. There are things maybe will serve us today that we will need to abandon in the future. We should constantly be refining that process to go ever higher in consciousness. We get stuck and we start descending when we get attached and identified with a belief that we think is true. That may or may not be. Some beliefs are true. Some are not. The goal should be gnosis, knowing that something is true, because you have directly experienced it. Experience is the best teacher. Not that you can't learn through other methods, but the best is direct experience of a thing. So briefly, I will go into some of the other obfuscation techniques. So we've looked at obfuscating simplicity with complexity, obfuscating principles with with, with man's law, principles which are based in natural law with man's law. We've looked at obfuscating dominion, the real reason, and the real reason to take actions with fear of punishment, which is the lowest form of consciousness to take any action. And now we've looked at the obfuscation of gnosis with belief. Well, 
dominators and manipulators attempt to obfuscate individuality with culture. True uniqueness with culture, which is basically a form of conditioning and programming, which is getting people to see themselves as not unique, as just one of the numbers, one of the herd. And culture, being a local operating system, as Terence McKenna, a great teacher, often referred to it as, he said that culture is not your friend, it's your cult, right there in the word again. It obfuscates individuality. An individual is one who is not divided or dual, right in the word, in, divide, dual. Not divided or dual. Culture creates divided and dualistic personalities and mindsets in attempting to get everyone to conform because people go along with what the status quo or the culture programs into them even though within themselves and their emotional compass, their guidance center, they know that that may not be the truth or morally correct. It's another form of obfuscation just like man's law obfuscating principles. So we'll get into this technique of obfuscation and wrap up obfuscation as a technique of mind control. And then next week, I'm sorry, the following week, we will get into worldview poisoning. I'm going to leave it there for tonight. And I want to remind everyone that next week, right here on this show, a victim of the trauma-based mind control project Monarch will be interviewed right here on What on Earth is Happening. So next week is a radio show that you will definitely not want to miss. We'll get back into the continuing explanation of the techniques of mind control the following week, in two weeks' time. So next week we will take a divergence and we will look at trauma-based mind control. So, with that in mind, I'm going to sign off here tonight. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, go up and check it out. Tons of great videos up there. All the podcasts that we've done on this show so far with related images. Next week, um, I will actually have some related images pre-show up on the show page because my guest has uh, requested that um, we have some images related to what he is going to talk about for people to pull up uh, live in real time while he's on. So that will be on the the, uh, show page, on the Listen Live page. So for now, I'm going to sign off. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening www.whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website. 
www.revolutionbroadcasting.com. I'll see everybody here, right here, for a great program on trauma-based mind control next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Thank you all for listening, folks. Good night.